Hola, mamá. This is Natalie here. By the time you hear this episode, it'll be December, but still. Did you know November is National Adoption Awareness Month? This month is used to celebrate the success stories as well as highlight the huge need of families and homes for children all around the world. It's no secret that the adoption process in the United States is a very emotional, expensive, and long one, which makes this week's story unique and a miracle in itself. I want you to help me welcome Meli Lara. She is a mom who has struggled with infertility the last 15 years. She has been met with a road full of loss, disillusionment, but always held her ground especially her faith. And I think you'll be able to see God working all along his fingerprints all over the details of her story. I'm just so grateful to Millie that she took the time to open and share this experience with us, however difficult and sweet it is. So really, this is the story of how the birth of a baby girl changed Millie's life and title to mom. So before we begin, just a couple of things. If you have little ones around, I suggest that you put on those headphones, Mama, and listen to this episode on your own. We do discuss IVF treatments in detail. Another thing, we have silenced the name of the baby's biological mother just to protect her identity. So you will hear those silence. As we were recording this episode, both our little girls were playing and running around and making memories. So you will hear them in the background, but just that makes this episode a whole lot sweeter. So just before we begin, I want to say, however motherhood comes to you, it's a miracle. And biology is the least thing that makes you a mother. I believe the real work begins after we have our children in our arms and we are at home with them. So adoption is just as beautiful, just as wonderful, and just as amazing as having a child any other way. All right, well, without further ado, I'll let the show begin. Welcome to Hola Mama podcast. This is Natalie. And this is Christina. And we're just two friends sharing the weirdness and wonder that comes with everyday mamahood. Hoping to encourage our multicultural mamas as we navigate and raise our little ones between our two worlds, one bilingual conversation at a time. So while you clean up those big messes or fold those tiny little clothes, turn up the volume and join us as we talk all things mamahood. Hi, Meli. Welcome to Hola Mama podcast. I am so excited that you are having this conversation with me today. So before we begin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Cuéntanos un poco de ti, de tu familia. Okay, well, I'm 39 years old and I'm happily married. I can say that I married uh, my best friend, my high school sweetheart. It's going to be 21 years that we've been together and we've been married for 18 years. And uh, we have a, beauf a beautiful daughter. Her name is Emma. She's four. And well, what can I say? I'm a, I'm a practicing Catholic. It's, uh, I love God. Um, I believe that um, all the things that I have and all the things that I go through, like my journey in life, I, I always walk with God in my hand and in mi matrimonio, in mi vida. Uh, vengo de una familia grande. Yo tengo seis hermanos. Somos cinco mujeres y dos hombres. Siempre, desde que tengo uso de razón, yo siempre quise ser mamá. Mi sueño era tener muchos hijos, así como yo, tener que yo tuviera, que, mi, que mis hijos tuvieran muchos hermanos. Y este, pues, más o menos es como, como empieza mi, mi journey de, de querer ser mamá desde chiquita. Era mi, era como mi go, ser una ama de casa. Uh, me encanta también mucho servir a los demás. Es mi pasión en la vida. Um, una vez al mes voy a Tijuana. Uh, vamos a una casa de, de migrantes. 
vamos a orfanatorios, vamos al basurero de Tijuana y les llevamos um, comida, juguetes, les llevamos la palabra de Dios. Uh, para mí es algo como muy importante en mi vida siempre darle a los demás. Si yo no hago eso, siento como que me muero, porque fue algo que mi, mi papá más que nada me enseñó. Entonces, pues son las cosas que más amo. Amo a Dios, amo a mi familia y amo a los demás. Es un poquito de mí. On top of everything that you do, you are also a business owner with your husband, Julio. Julio happens to be my cousin, so that's how I know Millie. <laughs> I was actually your flower girl at your wedding 18 years ago. Yeah. I, I think I was a little too big to be a flower girl, but I was so excited that you asked me. Yeah. And I remember shopping for my purple dress. Do you remember that? With, with lace. Oh, we were so, so excited. But... I find it so interesting that we've known each other for such a long time. And I didn't know that being a mom was like your greatest desire in life. I didn't know that it was your goal. And and so looking back and knowing of your story, it makes it even more interesting and impactful for the conversation that we're going to have today. So para comenzar, why don't you tell us a little bit about how your journey to motherhood Began. ¿Cuándo fue que tú y Julio decidieron, okay, yeah, it's time, we, we've been married, you know, for X amount of time, and we want to start our own family? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, we got married in August 2001. I guess at the beginning, we were so young, I was 21 and he was 22, and we didn't have a stable job. You know, my dad owned a company, which then he passed it over to me, and that's our business that we have. And I guess after five years of being married, we're like, okay, uh, we want to start our family. And we start trying, trying, trying. I would say about like for two years, I wasn't that worried because everybody says that it's normal, that you have to wait, blah, blah, blah. And, but the only thing that was just concerning is that uh, yo nunca me cuidé. Nunca me cuidé por lo mismo que era una, I'm a practicing Catholic. So de la única manera que yo me cuidaba era con, el, con un condón. Entonces, este... Eh, pues ya fue cuando entró la duda en mí, dije, ok, ya van dos años, no salgo embarazada, nunca tomé pastillas, nunca me tomé de otra forma, me cuidé de otra forma, so I think there's something wrong. But then, you know, I was, we had the business and it was just hard, so I just kind of like, oh, I'm still young, you know, I was like 24 at the time, so I'm like, I, you know, maybe it's just because I'm stressed, blah, blah, blah. And then probably like five years after, then I was, no, wait, then Two years after trying, uh, then, you know, my mom's like, I think you should go to a doctor. And then my mother-in-law and then everybody was telling me, you have to go because it's been two years and you haven't got pregnant. So then after three years, I'm like, okay, I decided to go to a doctor and do all the tests in the U.S. And, well, there was nothing wrong with me. Nothing wrong. So I'm like, well, they said there was nothing wrong with me, so there's nothing to do. So the doctor told me to wait another year. So then I waited another year and nothing happened. I went back to the doctor and I said, you know what? It's been a whole year, so it's going to be four years and I, I'm still not pregnant. So then they said, well, let me put it through the insurance. And in the U.S., it's very, very hard. It's very sad and hard that insurance, um, they don't really cover for infertility. Mm -hmm. It's very, very expensive. Even though I had like a really good insurance, they put me through so many like, like, oh, you have to do this. And now you have to do this. And and if you want to do this, it's going to cost you this much money. So then, you know, my family is like, you should just go to Tijuana or go to Guadalajara. So this was already like five years where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go to Mexico and just see different doctors that people would tell me. So I went to a doctor in TJ and they did a lot of tests and they did a, they said that I was fine. So it's it was very like it was very hard because there was nothing wrong with me. If there's nothing wrong with you, then there's no plan of diagnosis. There's no plan of action, right? That's what makes it so difficult. Yes, because there was nothing wrong. We went like to make the Story short, we went with five different doctors and there was nothing wrong with me and there was nothing wrong with my husband, Julio. So then we said, okay, so what, what can we do? Because there's nothing wrong with us. Entonces fue cuando ya en, en Guadalajara un doctor dijo, pues hay que hacerse inseminación artificial. Solo hicimos en Guadalajara cuatro veces 
todo estaba perfecto, yo volaba todo perfecto, el esperma de Julio se movía en el, en el microscope y lo intentamos cuatro veces y no se logró. Entonces fue como que I'm like, okay, I'm kind of done with it. ¿Y cuál, cómo es el proceso? So, el proceso es que me, me dan medicamento tomado como por uh, seis semanas y luego me dan inyecciones en el estómago como, um, ay, ya ni me acuerdo, es, es pura medicina que te dan para que tú ovules y para uh -huh. que tus huevos se formen bien. Uh -huh. Entonces, ya que ya se ven el óvulo bien formado y los huevos, hay la posibilidad de que puedas tener hasta gemelos o triates, qué uh -huh. sé yo, which I don't care because, you know, I can have as many babies <laughs> as I wanted, so I wouldn't care about that. So, era tan frustrante porque um, tomaba los medicamentos y después el doctor nos decía qué día teníamos que tener relaciones, qué día ya se, que, se quebraba el óvulo, entonces era más fácil que el esperma entrara. Me and Julio would see them on the microscope. Oh, look, they're all moving. Everything's perfect. And then, well, I was, te sientan en una silla y ya me inyectan los espermas de Julio. Se ve mi óvulo. Y pues lo inyectan y dicen, ahora ya nomás es que la naturaleza se encargue de formar al bebé. Entonces ya yo me quedaba sentada en la silla como 15 minutos sin moverme. Y ya después ahí ya el ginecólogo me decía, ok, ya nomás ahorita vas a llegar a tu casa y trata de descansar todo el día, estar acostada sin moverte. Y um, pues vamos a esperar obviamente a, a no sé cuántos días era, ya ni recuerdo porque quedé tan traumada de, de esos tratamientos que ya no quise saber nada de ellos porque fue algo tan difícil en mi vida que me lo sabía de memoria cuando volaba, cuando no, cuando tenía que tener relaciones. It was like, I got sick of it. Like, I don't want anything to do with it anymore. So, I, this is something that I've always been very curious with. When you go through treatments like that, y como dijiste, ellos te dicen cuándo tienes que tener relaciones Where is there any room for romance in your marriage? Because it just feels like it's so clinical, right? Like, so how did you and Julio navigate through that specifically? It was hard. It was, no se lo, no se lo, este, como si, no se lo deseo a nadie. It was very hard and it's just sad because I would be so busy and then suddenly like I would me checkaba la temperatura y el, el doctor me mandaba un correo okay remember today at 5 p.m. you guys have to have sex so just like that and then I would just wait and Julio's like do we have to have sex right now I was like yeah and I, no era romántico era nomás como lo teníamos que hacer obviamente pensando en que queríamos tener un hijo pero de primero it's it's nice I'm not gonna lie like the first maybe two tries it's like oh you know we were all excited and we would check the calendar but like the third time the fourth i did it uh seven times yeah. so only the two times were good and then after that it was horrible it was really really sad and we would even like get in fights like why do we have to do this if we don't even want to and it was really hard i would mm -hmm. cry a lot he would cry but it's life you know those are the things that that since we wanted to be parents both of us we would do it but it's really sad that whoever is going through this I understand and it's just sad that yeah you, we wouldn't have sex to want to have how can I explain like no era como tú sabes como pareja cuando dices oh este es el momento especial espontáneo bonito es un regalo de Dios a que no ahorita a las tres de la tarde it's like oh my god this is so uncomfortable yeah. even though he's your husband it's like I don't want to do this but I have to it's sad it, it feels like like a chore, right? Like something to check off your to-do list instead of something that you're like, I'm so excited about this moment. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Well, yeah, that's how it was. And honestly, after the fourth time that, because I would fly to Guadalajara, okay? Because it was way cheaper and this doctor was really good. So it was really crazy. Like for a year, it was really crazy for Julio and I because I would have to fly to Guadalajara and then I would do the treatment. I would stay at my mom's house for three days, rest. And then the fourth day, I would fly back to San Diego. Anyways, I did it for a year and it didn't work. So then I stopped and I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm so tired. This is, it's like draining me. Like, no quiero hacer nada. Tenía depresión. Entonces, ya después de ahí paramos por un año. Dijimos, no, ya no, ya me cansé. And we just decided to travel and just have fun. And they said, sometimes you get pregnant without thinking about it. Yeah, sí, lo, los, um, ¿cómo se dice? Las creencias típicas, ¿no? Que, oh, si dejas de tratar, vas a salir embarazada. Did any did that happen to you? Did anybody tell you those kind of things too? Everybody would tell me that. It's gonna but te va a pasar cuando menos te lo imagines, cuando no estés estresada. 
And I believed it. I'm like, yes, that's, that's when it's going to happen. Me lo creí todo y paramos como por un año y medio. Y dije, okay, yeah, yeah I'm not going to do it anymore. Pero después la presión de mi familia, de la familia de mi esposa, mi, sue mi suegra y mis hermanas, Meli, the clock is ticking, you should try again. And I tried one more time in TJ with the doctor. He said, no, que yo salí embarazada, que mi prima salió. Todo el mundo, las historias que te cuenta. Mm -hmm. Intentamos otra vez a ir a Tijuana, ya no a Guadalajara. Y pues la doctora me dijo que um, ahí sí me hicieron estudios, a Julio también. Y me dijo, ¿sabes qué? Yo pienso que tú, el problema que tú tienes es que tienes endometrosis. Um, porque yo siempre, mis cólicos han sido fuertes y, la, y um, dura siete días. Entonces yo siempre he tenido cólicos fuertes y me dura mucho mi periodo. Entonces me dijo, yo pienso que tú vas a tener endometrosis. Uh -huh. Y endometrosis es una causa para no salir embarazada. Entonces te vamos a hacer una conoscopía. Y vamos a ver en una cámara y si tienes, te lo vamos a quitar y ya vas a salir embarazada. So, dije, okay, perfecto. But I was so happy that yeah. she told me that because I'm like, finally. Finally, a, a reason, right? Somebody, like, this is why it's not happening. Yeah, it was, y me diagnosticaron. So, I was so excited. So, um, I did the, esa conoscopia, esa que es small surgery. Y ya cuando ya, pues, obviamente me levanté y todo, ya vino ella y me dijo, ¿sabes qué? Si tenías endiometrosis y tenías pólipos, pero son cosas que muchas mujeres tienen y no es un impedimento para salir embarazada. Entonces, me dijo, entonces vamos a esperar tres meses que, que tu cuerpo esté bien, se acostumbre y vamos a hacer tres inseminaciones. So, hicimos todo lo que dijo la doctora, me esperé tres meses, um, intentamos otra vez, and Well, it didn't happen. And I think the third time that it didn't happen, it was so, like, it was really bad. Because el doctor te dice, voy a dar un ejemplo. Te dice, okay, vamos a esperar, creo que son 18 días del día que te hacen la inseminación. Esperas 18 o 12, no recuerdo. Si no te baja ese día, quiere decir que a lo mejor si sí estás embarazada. Entonces, después de que pasen los 12 días, al tercer día vienes a hacer un examen de sangre. Entonces, yo no me bajó los 12 días. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm pregnant, and I could even felt it, whatever. So I'm like, Julio, no, y Julio, no te bajó, no, no me bajó. Entonces, me dice, ok, va, hay que hacer la cita con la doctora. So vamos a Tijuana, y cuando yo iba entrando a la clínica, um, eh, nos encontramos unos amigos, Julio y yo, del trabajo, y le dijimos, ay, Carlos, ¿qué estás haciendo aquí? Oh, dice, ya ves, su esposa tampoco tenían ellos como siete años que no podían salir embarazados. Y, pero tenemos mucho tiempo que no los veíamos y le dijimos, ¿qué estás haciendo aquí? Dice, oh, es que mi, mi esposa ya tiene como ocho meses, siete meses de embarazo y pues la está checando el ginecólogo. Y yo sentí así como, oh, my God, you know, it's a sign from God, you know, ella ya está embarazada y yo ahorita me voy a hacer el examen de sangre. Y, ay, ¿y ustedes a qué vienen? No, oh, estoy con el ginecólogo, bla, 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 y lo felicitamos y ellos nos felicitaron, él, porque ya no estaba. Y pues íbamos subiendo las escaleras y Julio me dice, yo pienso que ahora sí va a pegar y que no sé qué. Y, y le dije, ¿sabes qué? Quiero ir al baño. Y entonces voy a hacer del baño y... y en ese momento me di cuenta que me había bajado. Oh. Tenía rojo y sentí tan feo y, oh, y me salí del cuarto y del baño y Julio me vio llorando. Me dijo, ¿qué tiene? Le digo, es que me bajó. Me dijo, no, pero no, no, you know, hay que, vamos a que te hagan el examen de sangre porque a mucha gente le baja. Y sí es cierto, ¿no? Porque todo el sí. mundo tiene historias. Entonces, pues vamos a que me saquen la sangre y tuvimos que esperar una hora. Y ahí dentro del hospital había una capilla y yo me metí a la capilla y señor, por favor. Tú sabes que yo quiero ser madre y pues pidiéndole con mucha fe y tú sabes, Señor, qué es lo que yo más deseo y pues voy a ver los, los resultados y pues salen negativos. Entonces, eh, pues para mí fue muy, fue un golpe horrible, horrible, horrible que no, no se lo deseo a nadie ni pues sí, fue algo feo, feo que, que pues no. Y entonces... Te puedo decir que yo ese día, pues yo le dije, ¿sabes qué? Ya vámonos a la casa. Ya no quise ver a la ginecóloga. Me fui a la casa. Me fui llorando todo el camino. I, I'm sure it was such a hit because you had such high hopes yeah. walking into that place and feeling like, oh my God, it's a sign from God. Like, this is it. You know, this is it. So, emocionalmente, como yo sé que llega la depresión, este, la tristeza, But how did you cope with it? How did you deal with it? 
yo llegué a la casa y yo me encerré en el cuarto y yo le dije a Julio, yo no quiero hablar con nadie. Yo no quiero saber nada. Uh -huh. Yo quería estar sola. Es, me sentí así como que dije, ya, el propósito de una mujer es ser madre. Y para mí fue como bien difícil porque dije, ¿por qué, señor? Si tú dijiste que el matrimonio es para tener hijos. Tú sabes que yo soy una persona buena. Desde que yo tengo uso de razón, yo quería ser mamá. ¿Por qué no me das lo que yo te pido tanto? It was, it was really bad. And I told Julio, I don't want to talk to nobody. I just want to cry. I literally, I cried like for four days. And... Like my, I have five sisters and they would come and I would be like, I don't want to talk to nobody. Just let me cry. I just want to cry, cry, cry. And I would only want to see my husband. And it was, it was really hard. Like, 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 yeah, like three days just crying the whole day. I don't, I don't even think I ate anything. Just maybe like an apple and just water. And, and, you know, after like the fifth day, you know, obviously Julio called people from church and they were praying for me and I would get like teddy bears, flowers. And, you know, just, just little by little, God gave me strength and I would open the, I would open the Bible and I would get like a, una buena lectura, you know, que ya no me acuerdo, las tengo apuntadas y canciones que me mandaban mis amigas and. Just little by little, you know, I started to heal. And I think it's because of the prayers and my friends, my family, my husband. But I can imagine how hard it was for him because he had to be strong for me. Like, it's hard for a man to cry, you know? Like, it's so hard because we can't both... I mean, at the beginning, we were both crying. And it's like, oh, my God, this is so hard. Like, But, you know, it just times... You know, el tiempo te, te va sanando y Dios te va dando la fortaleza. So, I yeah. actually have... um. My next question was, I was going to ask you, you mentioned you've got such a strong faith during this time of questioning God. And it felt like he was just so silent during that time of your, of your anxiety and your stress. Did that strengthen your faith or do you think that you questioned and challenged it during that time? I questioned it a lot. I screamed at him. I said, why are you doing this to me? Like... God is my best friend, and I believe you, you can tell God whatever. When you're mad, God, the feelings, we have the feelings for a reason. We can be angry, we can scream, but we can forgive. I I can say I got in a fight with him because I was like, why, you know, you, when I got married, you know, I got married because I wanted to have a family and you're not giving this to me. And it was, it was just a battle, you know, a battle. And I would write a lot in my journal. Like, I go back and I read it, and I'm like, oh, my God, God, I'm so sorry <laughs> what I wrote. But I know he's he's my best friend. He for, he forgives me, and I think it's just time, you know. Poquito a poquito, Dios, Dios me fue dando paz. Empecé a ver, dije, ¿sabes qué? El, en el mundo hay tantas injusticias, hay gente que está muriendo de hambre. Como, como al mes que esto me pasó, um, estaba yo viendo algo en el internet, y después salió como un ad del hospital de los St. Jude Hospital uh -huh. and una historia como de cinco minutos yo pienso que fue Dios el que me la puso uh -huh. porque yo dije es que es por qué y seguía con esa renegando renegando y, y cuando vi ese comercial de St. Jude's como de cinco minutos yo creo que era una, era una historia donde una mamá you know the typical story that you see on you know that they have their five year old and they have cancer or leukemia and they put the whole story and I was like oh my god That kind of, like, snapped me. Like, Meli, like, you're fine. Maybe, yeah, you can't have a baby, but at least you're not going through what this mom is going through. To see her five-year-old daughter going through leukemia and the medicine. And since I saw, like, the whole story of her since she was born hasta ahorita en el hospital, I was like, oh! And kind of, I don't know, for me, it was like, Dios no nos da más de lo que no podemos soportar. Y si Él me está dando esto, es porque yo lo puedo soportar. Pero yo, yo pienso que yo no podía soportar lo que esa mamá está pasando, que su niña se va a morir o qué sé yo. Ver el dolor, la impotencia, decir, esa niña tiene cáncer. Y fue como, como un reality check, decirme, Lee, wake up. When I saw that, I was like, I'm getting up. I'm done. You know, it is what it is and I have to continue on with life. That's such a beautiful picture of you saying, like, I'm getting up and I'm I'm moving on. Because I can imagine four days of being in bed and just crying. And, and just like you, there were 
multiple women in the Bible, actually, that are mentioned that cried for the same reason, ¿no? Que, mm. que querían hijos y querían hijos y Dios les abría y les cerraba la matriz, pero a unas les concedió sus peticiones, a otras de manera diferente. Es algo también histórico que siempre han pasado las mujeres. Es, pero es importante también tener ese momento de decir, ok, I'm getting up, I'm shaking this off, I'm moving on. So I guess that takes us to the second part of our story. How did you and Julio decide to take the next step, which was adoption? So when that happened, I'm like, you know what? I have to, you know, move on. It is what it is. And um, I went uh, to my parish and I talked to the priest. And, you know, I went because I wanted to talk to him because I'm like, I need to go to confession. You know, I had this big fight with Jesus, with God, whatever. And if we hablar con el sacerdote que... Para mí ese sacerdote es, nos ha ayudado mucho a mí, a Julio, es el padre Ricardo, y pues yo estaba con él, y, y yo, padre, pues pasé por esto, bla, 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 y entonces el padre Ricardo me dice, uh, ¿por qué no intentan adoptarme, Hay tantos niños que necesitan, you know, que, que quieren tener papás, y mira, ahí, ahí está una... una Um, organización que se llama Catholic Charities que está en todo Estados Unidos y pues ellos tienen una agencia de adopción aquí en San Diego uh, ve ahí y trata de adoptar um, uh, yo te puedo hacer una carta porque ellos nomás tienen un, un requisito en Catholic Charities de que ya sea cualquier fe que tú practiques, seas católico pentecostés, musulmán judío, no importa pero un requisito para poder adoptar ahí es que tienes que estar en, en siguiendo um, como be a practicing, like me, be a practicing Catholic or whatever faith you Activa. have to practice. Activo. Activo en, en tu iglesia. En tu, en tu fe, ajá. Y pues yo siempre oía que la adopción se tardaba mucho tiempo y lo veía bien lejano. Y que es bien caro, ¿verdad? Es, porque eh, bueno, es carísimo. Eso es lo, que, lo que yo no sé nada de eso. Lo único que he escuchado son puras cosas negativas, que es muy caro. Sí. Que es un proceso largo, que algunas veces, like, the process starts and it doesn't even follow through. Pues como que era el plan de Dios, ¿no? Porque tu, mi historia es como un milagro de Dios. Y, es, y también la cuento para que la gente crea en Dios. O sea, los milagros que hace Dios es, es como este ejemplo que voy a dar en mi vida. Porque no hay otro mejor ejemplo que este. Um, todo lo que dices es cierto. Para adoptar, para es bien difícil. Yo tengo una tía que ya este, fue foster parent uh, por ocho años y como hasta los ocho nueve años ya pude adoptar una niña pero it was hard mm -hmm. yeah. so yo ya sabía que era muy difícil y dije I don't want to go through that I think it's too hard entonces pues no, yo hice lo que el padre me dijo yo mandé la aplicación a Catholic Charities y um, cuando empecé el procedimiento y todo me dijeron que yo pregunté cuánto se tarda me dice por lo regular una adopción en Catholic Charities se tarda entre dos a tres años y dije ya ah, pues it's not that bad fuimos a, a la a, ok yo mandé un correo electrónico en julio, a principios de julio. Yo mandé, oh, soy Amelia, quiero información de cómo adoptar. Emma llegó a mí a los nueve meses. Del día que yo mando ese correo electrónico, Emma fue en julio y Emma nació el 28 de marzo. Y ya Emma llegó a mí el, el 17 de abril. Entonces ya desde ahí digo, yo para mí es un regalo grande de yo platicarle eso a Emma, de que Dios me la dio a mí a través, o sea, esa maternidad, esos nueve meses, a lo mejor no fue en mi vientre, pero fueron nueve meses. Dios ya me la tenía preparada en otro vientre y es el plan de él. Es, es, es su misterio. It's still significant that you only had nine months to prepare for a baby like the rest of us. You know, yeah. any mom who just found out she's pregnant only has nine months to get ready for it. But you didn't even know, right? You, I mean, looking back, it was exactly nine months. Yes, but, but I, looking forward, you didn't know. Oh, in nine months, no. I'm gonna have this baby. I found I found out two days before Emma came to me, so I bought everything in one day. Oh my God, Melly, how did so, you do that? <laughs> I don't even know. It's just they prepare us when we went to the class. They're like, okay, usually what you do is you take a class. Y, y they give uh, te dan una um, cómo se dice. Te aprueban para ser un, una, like a foster parent mm -hmm. by the government of California. So we did the whole classes. We did CPR. They went to the house. They checked that our house is okay. And then after you get approved, then you do a book. 
of uh so about me and my husband and our and like uh un, una como un libro de nosotros de nuestra vida con fotos de mi de mi esposo de nuestra casa de nuestra familia a little bit of our background so it was nine couples that we were in the same group and we all do a book and uh, ya la trabajadora social lo ve, lo aprueba. Entonces, todo el procedimiento se tardó. Nosotros empezamos en julio y entregamos el libro en diciembre. Entonces, por lo regular de cuando la entregamos el libro, se tarda como dos años. Y, y, y ahí las trabajadoras sociales dicen, del momento en que se entrega el libro, vivan su vida normal. No piensen, ya va a llegar el bebé, arreglen el cuarto. No, porque es bien, es bien desgastante. Ustedes... Vivan su vida normal. Lo único que les pedimos es que compren un car seat por si pasa algo y los escogen rápido. So, es el único requirement, get a car seat. So, así pasó el tiempo. Y ya este a mí me hablan por teléfono, me habla mi trabajadora social. Y me dice, oh, I was working. It was a, a Monday. I remember very clear. And she called me and she's like, Meli, hi. I'm like, oh, hi, Charity. How are you? And she's like... Well, it's a beautiful Monday today. And I was like, okay. I'm like, yeah, it is. And she's like, well, I have good news. And she's like, why? And she's like, well, guess what? Uh, uh, you, you, you've been chosen to be, to be parents. And I'm like, oh, my God, are you serious? She's like, yeah, somebody chose you by reading your book. So I was like, oh, my God, Charity, is this a joke? She's like, no, no, this is for real. Like, you know, and are you okay? I'm like, yeah. And, you know, I was like jumping up and down and oh my god and she's like I'm like is she pregnant is a girl pregnant she's like no she was actually born she's already born she was born on March 28th she's 15 days old and I'm like oh my god and she's like and you know the birth mom already gave her a name and I'm like really I'm like what what name what name did she give her and she's like Emma and I was like oh my god when she said Emma I just fell to the ground and I was just crying like crying and she's as I was crying and running I went to the conference room in our business and uh Julio opened the door and he saw me on the floor crying he's like why are you crying he thought like somebody like somebody passed away or something happened I'm like no it's just charity and I couldn't even talk and the reason why I was crying was because since ever since I wanted to get pregnant I um I would write on my journal And I would be like, oh, my God, you know, whenever I get pregnant, if it's a girl, I'm going to name her Emma. And if it's a boy, I'm going to name her Noah. So this was like 15 years ago that I had already chosen that name. So I, you know, I've always knew that. So when the social worker told me, you know, the mom named her, gave her a name. And I asked, what, what's her name? And she said, Emma. I was like, I can't believe it. Like, <laughs> why? Why? Like, this is, you know, this is God's plan. And I, I you know, I was crying and then. Well, I, I then Julio gave me the phone and I told Charity, okay, so what's the next step? And she's like, well, the next step is that you guys are going to come tomorrow to the office and then you're going to meet the birth mom. And um, after you guys meet her and everything is fine, then you're going to come back the following day. And, and no, then you're going to the next day, then you're going to buy everything because obviously you don't have anything but a uh The, the car seats and then on Thursday you're gonna come and pick her up so Meli how were you able to carry on through your day así como normal sabiendo que ya para el fin de semana ibas a tener a una bebé en tus brazos y una bebé recién nacida de que 15 días bueno 20 días para el día que tú la, la ibas a conocer no mm -hmm. but how was it meeting her um, biological mom Well, it was, you know, that I we couldn't sleep. Like, we were like, we couldn't even sleep. We were just like in complete shock. And we didn't want to tell anybody until we actually met the mom because they tell you that you, you can't really do anything until you meet her because she has, um, she can change her mind. Oh. So that didn't, like, it wasn't like a for sure thing. So we didn't say anything. So we went to the, um, to Catholic Charities and um, we got there with, It's called Catholic Charities. And then my social worker, her name is Charity. How crazy is that? Yeah. But anyways, we get there and I'm like, oh, my God, we're so nervous. And, and she's like, don't worry. She she loved your book and she identifies a lot with Julio and you. And, and I'm pretty sure everything's going to be fine. But, you know, this is what we have to do. 
So I was very nervous. I was like, how do, what do I do? So, you know, so she can like me, whatever. But I'm like, no, you know, she, I don't have to do anything. She saw the book. She's going to meet us. And it is what it is. Si Dios quiere va a pasar y si Dios quiere no va a pasar. So we walked in and, and when we saw her, I was like, um, she's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And um, well, she was sitting down in her, in the chair and I didn't even know what to say. I just kind of followed whatever the social worker said. She's like, you can ask whatever you want. And she was very shy. She was like super, super shy. Not nervous, just like tired and like shy. And she just, to be honest with you, Natalie, I don't even really remember what we kind of talked to because I was so nervous. And I just remember that Julio asked, why did you pick us? She's like, well, I picked you guys because I love dogs. And I remember when they gave me your book, I got your book and then it fell to the floor and then it fell in the in the page where you, you your two dogs were there. Uh, I think it's a boxer and a pit bull. And I was like, oh, my God, I love dogs and they love dogs. And and Julio's like, oh, my God, you know, we when we were doing the book, we were debating to put the pictures of our dogs because it's a pit bull. And a boxer and they're big dogs. Oh, yeah. Like, and they could be dangerous, dangerous. for kids. Yes. yes. Frida and Rocco, they passed away two months ago, both of them. But anyways, so she's like, and I saw the dogs and I said, well, they're they're like, they, they're like animal lovers. You, you know, I read through your story. And honestly, that's like the main reason why. Oh, my God, really? <gasps> if yes. you didn't put those pictures in there, who yes. knows what your life would look like right now what emma's life would look like right now so i think one of my sisters los tienes que poner meli porque rocco y frida son como tus hijos and we're like and then julio's like ay pero es que es un pepo y si ve y le da miedo we're like let's just put them they're part of our life and we put like a really nice picture of frida and rocco and like <laughs> smiling and it's like oh my god i can't believe that's one of the main reasons why she picked us because se cayó el libro al, al libro dice que nomás se cayó y estaba la foto de rocco y frida so so she's like, and that's the main reason why. And then I, this, then they said, do you want to ask her a question? And I remember I said, I want to ask you a question. And then she's like, yeah. I'm like, why did you, why did you name her Emma? And she's like, Está como, es como hippie, pero rockera. Y es como así, como, you know, those typical, mm -hmm. tiene muchos tatuajes, bien bonita, pero así como bien hippie. Le digo, why did you name her Emma? And I thought she was going to say, oh, my mom's name is Emma, or for, or, I don't know. I thought she was going to give me a story. And it was so funny because she's like, I don't know, man. I just, like, I saw her, and then, like, a light from the sky. I felt like a light and said, Emma. <laughs> and I don't know, man. I just, it just came to my head. It popped, and I said, Emma. And when she said that, I started crying. She's like, why are you crying? I'm like, because that was the name that I had for her 15 years ago. And and she was like, oh, my God, even perfect. She's yours. She's your daughter. And I was just crying. And I'm like, oh, my God, you don't know how happy I am. Like, you know, I've been wanting to be a mom, parent for such a long time. And she's like, well, you know, she's your child, you know, even more. Like, I just named her Emma because something popped in my head, like Emma and see she's yours that is insane i didn't know that you had that interaction with her that you got to meet you know emma's biological birth mom i feel like you're the mom mm -hmm. she's the birth mom um and the fact that you guys had those moments of interacting and talking i mean how good was that for you and for her you know, in that moment. But do you still do you still communicate with her? Do you still talk to her? So no, it's an open adoption because in the United States, uh, it, the the law changed like in ninety eight where they it could only be open adoptions. It's illegal to be closed because it's so um, it's not good. It's mm -hmm. un trauma para los niños que que no sepan que son adoptados. Entonces, yeah. and like I think in ninety eight the law changed where if you adopt, it has to be open. The, the your your uh, the baby has to know he's adopted and it has to be opened so we knew from the beginning but it's only if the mom wants to be part of of, of her life of her life so it's an open adoption um after we met her and stuff well you you know we we have to send pictures uh twice a year not to her we send it to the social worker 
And then um, they call her and they're like, you know what? They're sending you pictures. Um, if you want to come and pick them up, if you want to meet Emma, blah, blah, blah. Ya están las manos de las mamás si quieren ser parte de la vida o no. Hasta ahorita yo he hecho eso. Yo he mandado cartas dos veces al año y fotos de Emma. Y pues a mí cuando la trabajadora social me diga, you know what, I wants to meet Emma or, you know, of course, you know, we'll, but everything has to be done through the agency. Okay. She, I don't have her information and mm -hmm. she doesn't have my information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so after that, you're like, okay, well, nice meeting you. And then they take us to another room and then you have to wait a whole day to know if it's going to happen or not. But for us, like we were in the other room and we were so nervous and we're like, well, we'll see what happens. We have to wait a whole day to see if this is going to be approved or not. And maybe like 10 minutes after Charity walks in and she's like, well, congratulations. You have a daughter. And we're like, oh, my God. No, don't we have to wait a whole day? She's like, no, no, no. Like you, you have your mom. Congratulations, your mom. And she's like, now I can show you a picture. So she took us to her laptop and she's like, this is Emma. And we saw a picture of Emma and we were crying. And, and I'm like, okay, so what do we do? She's like, okay, so I know you guys don't have anything. So you guys have one day to go buy everything. <laughs> and then you're going to come and pick up Emma on Thursday at 11 a.m. So we went back and finally, you know, we told our family, yeah, you know, we're going to be parents and then she's beautiful. Her name is Emma. And well, you can imagine like we the next day, I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to buy? Like, you know, otras mamás están embarazadas, les hacen baby showers. I don't know. I've seen it with my sisters, with you, with my cousins. Mm -hmm. But with me, it was like in one day. Thank God that uh, Baby Arras is was still open. Porque ya no está Baby Arras. It's yeah. so sad. Porque ahí tienen todo. So I just went to Baby Arras and I bought like, I just called like my sisters and my friends and, okay, I need to buy things. Tell me because I have yeah. no clue. I only have a car seat. So we went and we made a list and, and um, my sister, Iram, we both went and we kind of made a list. And we bought everything, and then we drove back, y ya Julio armó la cuna, y... Y, y todo bien bonito, ¿verdad? Pues, just, what an amazing, like, feeling. It so of, it's like hard a, to remember, it's so fast. That's why it's good to, like, record these conversations, so you always remember, like, the details, you know, we can give it. We can give it to Emma in the future, when oh, she's older, yes. and she's asking, like, what's my story? Well, this is your story, but... Over the years, we've seen you blossom into such a beautiful mom to Emma. And you've been a mom longer than I have. Mm -hmm. Like, to me, I had a baby inside of my stomach for nine months. And I, I watched my belly grow. And I had time to prepare. And I had, you know, I gave birth to, to this child. But to me, the hardest part is when they put that baby in my arms, when it's here. That's when my journey as a mom really begins. You know, that's when I step in, in my role as a mother. So I understand very well the difference between like, oh, this is a, a woman that gave birth and this is the woman that's been the mom. So to me, you've been the mom. So what has been your greatest challenge As a adopted mom, de, de una niña americana. What's your experience with that? What can I say? I'm at the beginning. I didn't think she was going to be that white. And her eyes were kind of green, but I remember I would pray. I'm like, God, can you please not give her green or blue eyes? Just give them <laughs> to her brown. I don't want like, you know, because I think it would because, you know, I'm dark and my husband is dark. We're not that dark, but we're not like white. Somos así como amarillos, ¿no? Como dicen. And Emma, she's like white. Like uh, con pelo chinito y todo. Pues yo pienso que ha sido algo como... It's, it's still like... It's, it's hard to explain. Like... Sometimes I'm like... I, she's my daughter, but then I look at her like when I wake up in the morning and I just look at her or sleep and I'm like, is she really like my daughter? Like, is she really like my daughter it's it's so hard she's beautiful no porque sea mi hija pero Emma está hermosa y a veces la veo y digo no se parece nada a mí no se parece nada a Julio um, te diré que la gente hispana es bien es they're so mean they're, we're, we're so racist they're so too. racist yeah. like I've been things that I've been through 
like white people are so nice. <laughs> they don't. They don't. Uh, they don't see. They they're like if she's my daughter, they're she's my daughter. Period. Like they don't ask like. Wait, why are you so dark and why is she so white? We want to like, know, right? We want to know. We want oh we want it to be explained. Let yeah, me tell so, you. I went to, like, I'm going to give you two things that have happened to me. I went to eat sushi, me and my husband, and, and Emma. And, you know, usually people are like, oh, my God, she's so cute and blah, blah, blah. And she's, they'll be like, oh, are you taking care of her? <gasps> And I'm like, what do you mean? And no, first they'll be like, oh, qué bonita. O, o los mexicanos o los hispanos. Ay, qué bonita, la estás cuidando. Y yo, no, no la estoy cuidando. Oh, eres su nana. No, no soy su nana. Entonces digo, pues es mi hija, o sea, es mi hija. Ah, entonces este, ¿y por qué estás tan morenita y tú por qué ella está tan buena? They're so raw. Like, I'm like, what is, what is wrong with you? Like, you don't say that. Like, a lot of Hispanics are like that. Yeah. And we have yeah. to break that. It's so sad. Yeah. I think it's something that you're going to have to, like, you're going to face for the rest of Emma's life. Mm -hmm. Because as long as there's Hispanic people, <laughs> you're going to get those questions. You know, like, why does she look so different? Why is she this color and you're that color? And and I think it's normal for our culture, wrong, yes, pero típico, no de, de nuestra cultura. And speaking of culture, has our culture influenced your parenting of Emma at all? Well, I think everything because uh, well, Julio was born in Mexico and he lived in Mexico, in Guadalajara and in Sinaloa, in a rural area, in un ranchito. And I was born in the U.S., but I lived back and forth from Guadalajara here. So Emma habla, habla español, inglés, pero con nosotros puro español. Así como tú, Natalie, yo veo que Camila o sea, habla español y tú, tú les hablas puro español. Yo así, yo quiero que Emma se enamore de la cultura de México. Yo uh -huh. estoy enamorada de ella. Yo quiero que ella esté enamorada. Um, le ponemos música en español. Yo pienso que ella va a estar enriquecida de eso, uh -huh. porque mi vida es eso. O sea, me, me encanta la cultura de México, me, me, me fascina, me fascina. Entonces, obviamente, sí, va a ser bilingüe y, y pues yo y mi esposo viajamos mucho, uh -huh. viajamos mucho y, y yo lo que más anhelo que Emma, pues también viaje y conozca diferentes culturas. Ok, so yo creo que ya para más o menos terminar, I'm just going to shoot some rapid fire questions at you. I'll start off with what has been your greatest delight in motherhood? Everything, everything is beautiful when you get mad. I mean, even the hard things are beautiful because I can't say something that I don't like, to be honest with you. It's hard. Yeah, it's sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's it's nice. It's a challenge to be a mom. Um, but I can't say anything bad. I really can't because maybe because I really wanted to be a mom. So for me, everything is, is it's everything hard. is amazing. <laughs> well, let's see how you're able to answer this next question. Then what is or what has been the hardest part of motherhood for you? I guess the hardest part is that Emma's very active. She's super, super active. So I would, you know, yo siempre he dicho como oh, a los niños se les tiene que dar disciplina y cuando son vagos no entienden por la mamá. And it's like not true. <laughs> because Emma, she's very active and I've, it's been very hard for me. Como para tenerla como calmada, como cuando vamos a misa, it's so hard. Porque cuando yo veía a los niños que no hacían caso, ay, esa mamá, ¿por qué no aplaca al niño? And it's like I'm biting my tongue, you know, because Emma's so active and I've tried so many things and <laughs> she just doesn't stay still and she's just a very active child. So for me, that's been very, very hard. Que I have to be on top of her. Si no me come viva. Yeah. No, sí, lo entiendo. Yo también estaba en el mismo lugar. But, um, so what about motherhood surprised you the most? Well, that I had to adopt. I never thought that I was, you know, when I would hear adoption, it would be like, who adopts? Like, it's so far away from, from my life, from my surroundings. So I guess that was the most surprising thing that I, I have Emma through adoption and, um, pues yo no sé si Dios me va a dar la dicha de, de ser mamá en mi vientre, pero pues para mí eso eso es lo que más que que tengo una niña gracias a la adopción, gracias a que alguien no abortó y le dio sí a la vida. So, 
Yeah. And in closing, Meli, what advice would you give to another mama, maybe going through infertility right now, or or maybe thinking of starting the process of adoption, porque ya su, su esperanza en poder tener su, su bebé naturalmente ya está como que cero para esa mamá. ¿Qué le dirías, qué consejo este compartirías con, con ellas? Pues yo les dijera que confiaran en Dios. Dios tiene un plan perfecto y a veces uno no, no lo entiende. Pero yo para mí mi fortaleza es, es Dios. Sin Dios yo no soy nada. Yo me agarro de la mano de Él. Yo les dijera que confíen en Él y pues que busquen en, en, en adoptar. Um, hay opciones, es la única opción y, y a veces sí es, es, es bien difícil porque hasta ahorita a mí la gente me dice, oh, no te preocupes, un día tú vas a salir embarazada y que conozco a este doctor y que ve con esta sobadora y hasta ahorita todavía me siguen diciendo, no, que, que sí vas a salir embarazada y a veces como que te, como, I understand, like, you get tired, like, okay, don't tell me this because it hasn't, it's been like 15 years and it hasn't happened. Y a lo mejor yo tengo que aceptar la voluntad de Dios. Y pues yo te digo a ti, mujer, que a lo mejor tienes que aceptar la voluntad de Dios. No sé si tienes fe o no, pero pues hay otra opción de poder este, cumplir con ese sueño de ser madre, que es a través de la adopción. Yeah. Well, Meli, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I know that it's difficult because you're still going through the process of, of becoming a mom again either through adoption or either through, you know, treatments. And I've watched you, like I said, I've watched you go through this journey. I grew up knowing about it, you know, 15 years ago, I was 15. And I never knew that we would be moms together. I've learned so much from you, from Julio, the way that you guys have brought Emma up. And honestly, One of the reasons why we were able to teach Camille and Caleb Spanish is because we saw how you and Julio, you know, put that influence and that little seed in Emma too, that it didn't matter what cultural background she came from. She was going to love and appreciate the one that, that you guys have. So I've personally learned so much from, from you and Julio as parents. I think you guys are amazing people. Again, thank you for sharing your heart. With, with this community of moms. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our podcast and find out more about us on Instagram.